Blog Talk Radio. Morning, pet lovers everywhere, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I wish you a very happy Sunday. We have a few holidays in February, and I know a lot of people choose to use their time off work to get a little traveling in. Of course, if you are taking your pets, it's important to review some safety issues before heading out, and I've invited Sally Smith from Airborne Animals to give you the rundown on this very important topic. And after our halftime break, Tony Corbo, the senior lobbyist from the Food and Water Watch, has some really important information on pet food and the recalls so many of us have been hearing about with regards to products coming in from China. I've received letters from pet owners who tragically lost their pets to sudden onset health problems that were caused by tainted food. And I know it's devastating. That's why we're going to make sure you get the information you need to make sure your pets stay healthy and happy. Stay right where you are, and we'll get started after a very quick message here on Key Mozart. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on Key Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett, and as I mentioned earlier, we have an expert on traveling with your pets here today. It's Sally Smith from Airborne Animals. Welcome to the Pet Place, Sally. Thank you. I have been reading about you online. I read your bio, and I saw that you were the past president of the International Pet and Animal Transportation Organization. Can you tell me about that? Uh, Yes, we are a group of companies dedicated to the safe and professional transport of pets. Um, We have close to 400 members around the world, um, a little less than 200 members within the United States. So we're a fairly large group. And the nice thing is it's such a small group, we basically all know each other. Ah, okay. Well, that's very nice. And your group in particular from Airborne Animals, tell me how that all fits in. I'm a, I, that is, Airborne Animals is my business. Um, it was established in 1986, so we've been doing it for quite a while. Uh, I'm the president. I basically provide very personalized service to my um, clients, um, talk with them directly, email with them directly. Occasionally I'd help doing driving, but we move pets domestically within the United States or internationally around the world. Okay, so if somebody gets transferred to another part of the country, you can arrange a safe, and uneventful uh, trip for their pet to get to where they're going to. Exactly, exactly. I suggest to my clients if they're hiring movers to do their moving and packing or if they hire um, uh, mechanics to work on their vehicles, and that's kind of where I come in. I'm the expert at at pet shipping. Okay, that makes sense. What kind of tips would you give pet owners if they're getting ready to go on a long road trip or a a vacation that's going to require air travel where they want to take their pets with them? Well, road trip, most pets will be comfortable with their owners, so there's not really so much concern about, you know, escape or running away or something like that during transit. But you do need to be able to stop frequently enough to allow them to get out and, and take a break and provide them with water. 
Um, cats a little bit more difficult. You don't want them escaping. They typically would be a little harder to control if they got out of the vehicle unattended. Um, yeah, probably uh, also want to make sure that they're wearing their their tag or have a microchip just in yeah, case. Yeah, ideally, do. exactly. Ideally, internationally, microchips have become the form of identification for most countries. So uh, that's that's where they come into play. But certainly, and you want to make sure they're registered with the company that owns the microchip. Okay. Um, because if your name and number is not there or they can't reach you, then it, it kind of becomes useless. But right. a, and a tag, ideally, with the current phone number or, or with a mobile number where somebody can get you. They're not calling your residence in New Jersey when you're in Texas. Oh, that's a good idea. So you want to use your, your mobile number on the tag and not your your home number because you're not going to be there. And, and right. it, it can be pretty scary because I know a lot of animal shelters and public pounds, if they pick up an unidentified well, if they pick up an animal and they try to get a hold of the owner and they're unable to do it, and a week passes, yeah, that it, animal's going to be destroyed. Yep, it can be an unfortunate outcome. So you want to do... Uh, the other thing I suggest to people is make sure you have your current medical records with you because, you know, God forbid there's a bite or an accident or something, somebody's going to want to see proof of rabies mm-hmm. um, as well as um, some photos, because if the pet, your pet does escape or get out, it's much easier to make up a flyer quickly if you've got current photos of what your pet looks like. Oh, that makes sense. And you can also show it to the people at the local animal shelter. Right. And, and yeah, what a great idea. You mentioned also uh, health certificates, all that good stuff. So it's probably a good idea to go see your veterinarian and get a complete vet check on your pet. Well, yes. I mean, you want to make sure that the pet is healthy enough for travel, which is what the law covers. Basically, for airline travel, the the government, the USDA, requires that a pet be examined no more than 10 days prior to a trip. Oh, okay. And the airlines are going to require that certificate. You don't get on without it okay. um, because they don't want an incident or an accident or something happening because of a pre-existing condition. And even traveling by car by road within the United States, although a health certificate probably isn't required. There's very few inspection points between states. It still would be a good idea. Well, let me ask you this. What if your pet does have a pre-existing condition and you're moving across country and you want to you want them to have the shortest possible trip, so rather than putting them in a car, you want them to go by airplane. Right, and and I do suggest that to people, especially if the pets get very stressed. If they're not used to being in a car, um, cats notoriously don't like travel to begin with. My personal opinion is the sooner you get it over with, the safer they are. Uh, You know, going cross-country in a matter of five hours can be much better than four or five days. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the airline's still going to let you bring a pet if it has it, a pre-existing condition. You just have to maybe sign something saying you understand. Well, they, they won't even ask, but it's between you and your veterinarian to decide what kind of condition there is and whether it will be affected or become a problem during air travel. You know, a, a, a pet with a very minor heart murmur, you know, for instance, wouldn't have a problem at all, but, but one that has a severe heart murmur or has circulatory problems, you know, the vet's probably going to say at that point, this may not be a candidate. You know, he really can't fly. Okay. Let me ask you about weather conditions. I know we've had some pretty cold weather 
and in the summer months, of course, we're going to have some pretty hot weather. What are your suggestions to pet owners with regards to travel and hot or cold days? Well, by all means, as usual, the the least amount of travel and the most direct flight is beneficial. During really hot or cold weather, we aim to ship um, during the warmest part of the day, if it, you're talking about wintertime when it's 10 degrees outside, um, to avoid the really cold mornings and, e- and evenings, and summer, vice versa. We usually ship early in the morning or late in the evening if we can. Okay. Now, that said, there are, again, federal requirements that the airlines have to adhere to if they're going to take pets when it's hot and cold, and most airlines will be very upfront and tell you what they're their requirements are when you make a booking for your pet. Now, don't some airlines have restrictions on transporting pets during extreme temperatures? They can. The the Animal Welfare Act, which is another USDA regulation that governs the pet travel, allows that pets can be transported when it's less than 45 degrees uh, as long as the airline can move them quickly from the building to the plane. Temperature requirements by law have nothing to do with the plane itself. It has to do with where they're kept and how quickly they're moved and how long they're left exposed to hot or cold temperatures. So some airlines, and especially with some pets like the brachiocephalic snub nose Mm -hmm. breeds, they just don't do well in hot weather. So yes, an airline can say, you know what, if it's over 75 degrees or over 85 degrees, we're not going to accept this breed or this pet. Okay. Let's talk about crates for a moment. Uh, I know a lot of people never use crates in everyday activities for their pets. And suddenly they're putting their pet into a crate for travel. This probably isn't a good idea, is it? Well, ideally it's best to condition a pet ahead of time. Most dogs, and even some cats, they like to crawl away and hide. They feel comfortable um, in, a, in a crate because it's enclosed. And for mo- the most part, I find that it's the owner's um, mentality that the crate is bad and you're putting them in a box. But most animals will actually like it. If you watch be- animal behavior, when an animal is scared, the first thing they usually do is try and get behind something or under something because they feel safe. So if the pet can be acclimated, uh, dogs particularly to a crate ahead of time, and they love their crate and they feel safe in it, then that, by all means, that's the best thing to do. Excellent. And what what are some of the things people can do to acclimate their pet to the I crate? usually recommend if the dog has never been crate trained before, put them in for five minutes, take them out. Put them in for ten minutes, let them out. Put them in when you run an errand for half an hour and let them out when you get home. Should the you give them is, a treat or something when you, you can, by all means. I usually suggest putting in something comfortable if they've got a bed or a blanket or a towel or something that they like particularly. You can put um, put some cookie. I've seen people throw in their dog treats um, to get the dog to go in. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to force the dog in, but you don't want to let the dog have its way and stand there and brace its feet and say, absolutely not, I'm not going in there. Yeah. You know. And the other thing is when you let them out, people, a lot of times, especially if dogs have never been crated before or not crate trained, you know, they'll paw at the door or their whine or their bark and their carry-on. And the, really you don't want to open the door when they're actually doing that. You want to wait for them to settle and calm down and then open the door. Because as soon as you two, let them out two or three times, if they're 
crying and making a fuss over it, they say, oh, well, all I've got to do is cry and fuss oh, more, and they're only going to let me out. Okay. So it's kind of reverse psychology. Okay, that all makes sense. Now, I like the idea of hiring somebody who's an expert in pet travel to to get your pets from one part of the country to another. So let's give out your website so that people could find out more information on the service that you provide. Sure. It's airborneanimals.com. Okay, that's easy enough. Yep. (laughs) Sally, we sure appreciate your expertise in this area, and I want to thank you for stopping by the Pet Place today. Thank you. We need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, Tony Corbo will be checking in to give you the must-have information about tainted pet food from China. So stay right where you are, and we'll be right back with more of the Pet Place on K-Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and I'd like to welcome Tony Corbo, the senior lobbyist from the Food and Water Watch, to the Pet Place. Good morning, Tony. Well, uh, it's actually afternoon here, but uh, yeah, good afternoon and good morning to you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Oh, I'm really excited to talk to you. Tell me a little bit about what you do as a lobbyist for the Food and Water Watch. Well, I work primarily on on food safety issues for for human food, and so I spend a lot of time uh, uh, both on on Capitol Hill and and, and in the executive branch primarily with with FDA and and USDA on on food safety issues. So, and I've been doing this for for almost 13 years now. Oh, wow. And somehow you got sidetracked into pet food. Yeah, I mean it. It, um, it, it it's kind of a, an interesting you know story because um, in in 2005, uh, USDA had um, uh, proposed a rule to allow China to export processed poultry for human consumption to the United States, and um, and so that that whole issue kind of evolved to what now is happening with the chick, chicken jerky treats from China. Okay. And tell us what is happening with the chicken jerky treat. Well, I mean, this is the, the, the fact that China is, is still not exporting their, their, their poultry products to, to the United States for, for human consumption. Okay. And, there's been, and, and what happened is between consumer opposition to that plus congressional action that stops USDA from, from um, um, uh, uh, importing any Chinese poultry for for human consumption, the Chinese figured out a way that that if you go to FDA and turn your your poultry into pet food that is not subject to the same level of regulation, then then they they could get their their poultry uh, their their chicken treats or their chicken into the into the United States wow. as pet food. Now that and, really surprises me because I thought pet food, since sometimes it is actually consumed by people, was subject to the same inspections and rules. No, it's not. And 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 if it's for human consumption, USDA has has the system. It's a very rigorous system, especially for for imports, where a country has to apply to USDA. They actually have to propose a a rule. Uh, so there's public comment on that, and uh, and then the country the country gets listed on uh, in the Code of Federal Regulations as being eligible to export either meat or poultry to the United States. So so right now there are about there are 34 only 34 countries that are eligible to export 
um, uh, meat or poultry to the United States for human consumption. FDA does not have the same uh, setup, even for human food. Mm-hmm. So, so, so there are 100 and, uh, over 160 countries right now that are eligible to export uh, their food products to the United States, and all they have to do is register with the with the FDA saying, you know, that we're going to send food over there. And the same thing with pet food. So all they have to do is, is say, you know, we're going to export uh, our, our, our pet food to, uh, to, to the United States, and, and FDA uh, doesn't deal with it unless there's a problem. And when they export their pet food, we're talking about major companies that are buying those products and packaging them under their labels, right? Correct, and 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 apparently, you know, you have the Nestle's of the world that uh, that uh, Nestle Purina that has has figured out that it's 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 cost effective for them to have the uh, the pet food manufactured in China and then you know shipped to the United States, right. and and one of the interesting things was that you know in July this is it wasn't until July that I uh, I became aware of the problem with the. The, the jerky treats for for pets. Mm-hmm. Um, it was I, I had just gotten back from from a meeting with the uh, with the uh, food safety officials at the United States Department of Agriculture and asked them what the status of the um, the the poultry exports to the United States uh, from uh, the, the, the poultry exports from China to the United States. What the status of that whole process? And they they told me that it was still it was still in the bands. And I got back to my office, and here I get this email from from FDA warning consumers not to feed their pets uh, chicken jerky treats from China. Uh And I said, "Well, how in the world is this happening?" Uh huh. And so, and so, when I started to dig dig around, I discovered that they, you know, they figured out the Chinese figured out that the way to to send their chicken to the United States is is through through uh, FDA as as pet food. And and I asked our research department to take a look at at the uh, the amount of pet food we were uh, importing from China, and it's interesting. From 2003, which was when China first made the request to USDA to be able to export uh, poultry to the United States for human consumption, to 2011, uh, which is the last set of statistics we have, mm-hmm. the amount of pet food imports went from 1. Million, uh, 1.1 million pounds to 86 million pounds. Whoa! So, so China is is becoming is rapidly becoming a a um, a, uh, a major exporter of pet food to to the United States, and and so I started to you know to dig into this issue a, a little more because of the fact that it was. That uh, that that dogs were 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 dying and 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 getting sick. And I have actually heard quite a lot about that because, in addition to the radio show, I write a column in our local newspaper out here, and I receive a pretty astonishing number of letters from pet owners whose pets have become ill from this problem. And right. a lot of them have died, and they want to get the word out, and they want to know what they can do to stop this from happening. Well, I, you know, I think there there are a couple of things. One of the things that is that's been very frustrating with this is that uh, uh, after after um, some pressure from from a couple of members of Congress, and it's uh, specifically um, Congressman McNerney from from um, from the Bay Area. And Senator, Senator Sherrod Brown from Ohio, and former Congressman Dennis Kucinich from Ohio, 
FDA finally went over to China to look at their, their, their pet food manufacturing facilities. These were the facilities that, that were supplying um, you know, some of our, our, our domestic pet food companies with, with these jerky treats. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that was very troubling to me was the fact that, that um, the Chinese government prevented USDA from completing the inspection process. The, the FDA inspectors wanted to take wanted to take samples of the Chinese uh, uh, of the, uh, the chicken jer- chicken jerky treats in the plants, and the Chinese government absolutely refused FDA to do their own analysis. So shouldn't me, that immediately disqualify them from being able to export their products? And, to the and that's States? that's been my argument to the FDA because because they have a new food safety law. That also governs, you know, pet food, and it and it and it and essentially says that if if the the um, inspection if they refuse to let you into their facility to do an inspection, then you can you can shut off not only that plant but the entire country from being able to export to the United States. And I said, and I consider the fact that the that the that the uh, Chinese government refused to let you take a sample impeded the inspection process and I would have just shut shut them off right then and there. Mm-hmm. And and I get this whole roundabout explanation about how they're trying to develop this this relationship with the Chinese uh because they are a major trading partner and it it almost seems like, you know, FDA is just bending over backwards not wanting to upset the Chinese. Right. And and I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, you have you have pets here uh, that are dying and they're getting sick and 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 the and the, and the the common denominator seems to be these pet treats coming in from from China. Do we know what it is that's actually causing the the sudden health problems? No, they, the FDA has done you know tests. Um, you know they've test they've tested it for pathogens. They've tested it uh, for for melamine, which you know that that was another you know that was another Chinese related issue where they were spiking their their wheat flour back in 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 in, the, in uh, 2007 um, with uh, with melamine to to to, to um, essentially try to disguise the level of protein melamine. If you test for protein in in, in the substance. Melamine, which is which is a which is a chemical compound, they make you know bookshelves out of them. You know, right. and 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 so and that it's, was it's in a, the food. Yeah, and it's in the food. So, so so they spiked it because of the fact that when 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 uh, the manufacturers were testing for the level of protein, it showed that you know it had a high level of protein because wow. melamine uh, kind of disguises um, um, the, um, the, the 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 testing, and so and so. And, and we had thousands of pets that died from that. So, I mean, you, you already have an example of the Chinese not being able to be trusted to, 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 to do the right thing uh, for, for, for in, 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 in the manufacture of food. But now, with this, the, this latest uh, incident with the, uh, the jerky treats, FDA still hasn't figured out what the cause is. Now, the, what's been interesting is that within the last month, the New York State Department of Agriculture did test um, the the jerky treats for for um, uh, different types of antibiotics mm-hmm. that were in the in the um, in the uh, in the chicken, okay. and they found 
that there were some antibiotics being used in the way they were raising the chickens in, in, in uh, China that are banned here in the United States. And so as a result of, of the New York State Department of Agriculture, some of the companies now have started to recall those products. Okay, well, that's good news. Yeah. We only have about 30 seconds left, so let's give out a website where consumers can find out more about the pet foods that they should be avoiding and how to get more information. Well, they they can come to our website. Although it's not it's not you know again it, you're going to get a lot of human uh, food safety issues, but it's www.foodandwaterwatch.org. It's all one word, and okay. you spell it out. And and and, and if you go to Chinese jerky treats in the search engine, you'll be able to find some of the work that we've done on it. Outstanding. This was great information, and I hope we could get. All of our listeners educated on the topic, so thank you. Yeah, so much. I would urge I would urge them to contact the FDA commissioner to to to, to really clamp down on this and, and urge her to stop the importation of these products. Definitely. Well, we need to take one last break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on K Mozart. Back on the Pet Place Radio Show, I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. On Sunday, February 24th, at Cook Lanovia Park in San Juan Capistrano, kids ages 5 through 12 and their pets can compete in the annual Kids Pet Parade. As usual, there are a variety of categories to enter, such as cutest, most unusual, best costume, funniest, and most obedient. Registration begins at 11.30 a.m., and the parade starts promptly at 1 p.m. In case it rains, the new date will be March 3rd. And if you pre-register at www.swallowsparade.com, it's only $3. It's a lot of fun. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal-related activities there are in the Pet Place calendar. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spare new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.